It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to The Higher Calling. This is Chester Moore. And um, if you've listened to Higher Calling for long or followed my work at the Wildlife Journalist and Higher Calling blogs, you know I'm interested in raising awareness to human dangers in the woods because someone asked me at a seminar, Chester, what is the most dangerous thing in the woods? They're expecting me to say something I specialize in, like a wild boar or a rattlesnake or a grizzly bear or a black bear. I said, people, people, by a long shot, are the most dangerous thing in the outdoors. And I look at that at several different categories. You have idiot hunters that shouldn't be in the woods. The 5% of people shouldn't be out there. Most hunters are safe, ethical. You got 5% of people should never go in the woods. That's dangerous because there's a lot of hunters in the woods. You take 5% of that, you can have some bad scenarios, and every year you do. The next level will be like running into poachers, you know, people who don't want to be caught for doing game law violations, in places like Africa, it's very life-threatening, and it has been here, but we just lost 17 wardens to slaughter of, of, of poachers in Africa where there's, they're watching over mountain gorillas. And then you got the level of like a meth lab, something like that, a, a pot farm, those kind of things. But then the lowest level, the scariest level, would be a human predator running into a Ted Bundy-type figure in the woods. That's why I got my good friend, Lou Marillo. No, he's not like Ted Bundy, I promise. But um, <laughs> although he claims to be good looking, I think Bundy did too. I think he said the same thing. But that's the only thing. But uh, Lou Marillo is a hunting editor for Texas Fish and Game Magazine. He has a new book out. You want to check out an audio book called String Theory for Bullhunters. You can find that on most audio book platforms. It's an incredible listen, in-depth, fun. Even if you don't bow hunt, you dig this if you like the outdoors. But I want to have him on to talk about some of these safety issues because he's also a master bow hunter education instructor, not an easy gig to get. But he told me about a place that I hunted with him near Ithaca, New York, and a bloody bandaged up guy he ran into at dark 30. Tell us that story. Oh, Chester, let me tell you. Yeah, to get to, get to Ithaca, you know, we've got it's an hour drive from where I live. And so, I mean, I mean, I, I'm up at really dark 30 in the morning and I drive to the spot and uh, I'm all, I'm alone now because I get out of the vehicle and my buddies, they go to the next spot, which mm-hmm. is, oh, half a mile down from where I am, three quarters of a mile away. And uh, I get all my gear and I'm walking down. I got a flashlight and I'm walking down to a railroad tracks down there. Mm-hmm. And I get down on the tracks and now I've got to make a long journey on the tracks to, to where the tree stand was. And, uh, you know, the tracks covered water, and there, there, were, there were bridges that I had to stay on the railroad tracks to cross the bridge. It's, it's not a problem. I've done it a million times. So I'm walking down there towards, uh, towards my uh, tree stand, and all of a sudden I've got the flashlight and I catch movement. And I thought, what, I spook a deer up? I didn't hear any deer blowing at me or anything. What is it? And I stopped where I was. And I put the flashlight, and I saw this bloody guy. I mean, a beard. I mean, it looked like he'd, he'd lived in the woods, and he might have been living right there. I don't know. But he's walking towards me, and I'm thinking, what? Who is this guy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, who yeah. is out at this time of the day 
you know, walking towards me, looking, and I'm thinking, okay, I've got a bowl in my hand. I don't know what this guy's got in his hands. But yeah. I, you know, I, it was really a nerve-wracking experience when we finally did pass each other. Nothing was said. I didn't say, hello, how you doing? Didn't say anything. I just kept on walking. But then I, after I passed him, my ears were totally tuned to what was behind me because <laughs> I thought, if I hear him coming close to me, I'm going to have to really get serious and do something here. Now, you there said this guy was scary, bloody. Scary thing. You said he was bloody. He was all bloody. His face was bloody. It was like he. It was like he just got in a fight. His face was bloody, and it was a. He had a big, kind of grayish beard. And I'm thinking, this guy. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I don't know how he got bloodied up. I don't know. You know, but I've been watching. PSI too many times, I guess. Or something. <laughs> I, I had all kinds of episodes running in my brain at that time. Look, it's either a serial killer or a zombie is what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it was enough to wake me up. Well, you know, how tired I was. I didn't need a cup of coffee after that. Yeah, you had your <laughs> shot of adrenaline times 10. You probably had an adrenaline headache after that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was pretty serious. But, you know, you got it. That just shows that you have to be prepared because you don't know who you're going to come in contact with. That's true. That's right. Yeah. And you're a master (laughs) bow hunter education instructor. Of course, the the spookier type, which we'll kind of wrap this up with, of encounters, that one where somebody maybe is a predator or run into that meth lab or those kind of things Mm -hmm. in the woods. Mm -hmm. But percentage wise, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, dangerous hunters who shouldn't be in the woods, that 5% or so I talk about. To me, mm-hmm. that's probably statistically more likely to get you killed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times I even say this in my boat class. I say, you know, how do you know? I asked the, ask the, uh, the, uh, the question, how do you know when it's a great hunting spot? When you're just walking through the woods and you know, wow, this is a great spot to set up to hunt. How do you know that? And people are saying, well, you know, you've got to look for a deer sign. Gotta, I said, that's true. That's right. That's right. How do you know that this spot in particular is a great spot? And they finally said, well, why? And I said, it's all the beer cans. All the beer cans right there. Someone hunts there every year, and they're drinking beer, and it's right there. So this must be a good spot to hunt. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous when you see that? It is horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I know you're a guy who likes to have a drink every once in a while, but you don't do it when you go hunting. No, sir. No, sir. There's no place to be doing that. And that's the dangerous thing. If you ever had a situation where you went to a stand and you get out there once again at dark 30 and there's somebody there? Oh, yeah. That's that's another thing. Somebody was in my tree stand, actually. Really? I walked in the woods. I walked to my stand, and I looked up. There's a guy in my stand, wow. and he's complaining to me for ruining his hunt. So let me ask you a question. As a master bow hunter education instructor and an Italian guy, has got a little bit of an attitude sometimes. Uh, yeah. How do you manage that? Because the man in me wants to get the guy out of the stand, but I think, hey, we're in the woods. You know, anything well, could happen. Is it worth my life? I don't know. How do you how do you deal with that situation? I'll tell you how I deal with this. You know, I think about it for a second, and I say, okay, look, you're right. We're in the woods. It's dark. We're in the woods. And this is there's a guy up in your stand who's trespassing, obviously. Yeah. He's in your stand. He knows it's not his stand. Yeah. And then you got to deal with, hmm, he's got a firearm. Yeah. 
I'm just walking away. That's all I do. I walk away. Well, you're a good guy to ask this because you're not somebody to mess with. You know, you're you're somebody who's going to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of hunters and outdoors guys are the kind of people who can, you know, take care of themselves and don't mind if if something happens. But you know, you got to ask yourself. I think at the end of the day, is it worth fighting over something like that? There you go. There you go. It really, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Someone who's going to trespass like that and and. Uh, have a firearm in his hand. You never know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know if he's been drinking. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's just not worth it. You know, there's plenty of other places to go, period. You know, you can always find a good spot to hunt. That's where you got to look at it. The late Walk away so you can hunt another day. That's a great, great line right there. The late Don yep. Zeidel, um, the great outdoor writer who wrote so much. He was an editor of Texas Fish and Game. He's the one who brought me into the editorial position years ago, and um, he was a bearded guy. He looked like a survivalist, you know, <laughs> Don. <laughs> yeah. He said he was almost shot for being a black bear once, and uh, it, <laughs> he's crawling through a thicket, and he had a recurve, I think is what he had, a recurve. And he said that he came out of this thicket, and he came out head first, right, just kind of head neck, head, neck, peeked out. And he looks around and he's like, okay. And he, then he kind of gets up and walks down. And he takes about another half mile and he gets down to where his vehicle was. It was a public land place, you know? He was kind of coming mm-hmm. out of an area. It was a morning hunt. He kind of crawled through a thicket because he had the wind with him. He gets to, and it's a, it, was, it was a gun season, but he was hunting with a bow. He gets to the mm-hmm. road and there's another guy there. He said, oh, I had my crosshairs on you. Oh, boy. I saw fur coming out of the woods and I thought it was a bear. It was, oh, it was Don's oh. beard. Oh, terrible. You know, Hunter safety they tell you never. What's that? I've had crosshairs on me before, Chester. Really? Yep. And when I went up to the guy, he said, well, I was just seeing if you were deer or not. Mm. I said, do you have binoculars? Well, no, I was using my scope, my gun. Mm-mm. You got to have binoculars. That's, come on. You know, you just don't ever point a firearm at anybody. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think it's Boy. important to say this stuff, you know, and that's why I respect what you do because I know you're 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 a tough teacher because you want your students to be safe and oh yeah the system you have like where you live is you know like we have enough trespassers and crap in Texas but in in New York it's kind of like ask a farmer to hunt there and he may have forgotten he told three other guys you know right. And right. so you have those kind of situations and then people making shots they shouldn't make. And, you know, there was a story I heard recently where a father shot his son with a bow because he yeah. heard something coming through the brush. And it was his son coming mm-hmm. early to pick him up out of the blind. And, mm. you know, that's not like you shot 200 yards away and your son was walking in some distance in a fluke. That's, you know, that's 20 yards away, 10 yards away. Yeah. yeah. So those yeah. things can be incredibly dangerous. I have, uh, I got, I've gotten peppered numerous times, duck hunting and dove hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't do dove hunts in Texas anymore. It's too dangerous to me. Uh, most duck yeah. dove hunting in Texas is a bunch of guys in a big field shooting shotguns. And I've been hit like several times in the shoulder. Uh, and in the, and I've had it fall on my head and I'm like, you know what? My eye, it could have been my eye, you know, yeah, that's right. not that's worth right. it. And there ain't enough meat for me to worry about anyway. Let me go kill a pig somewhere, you know? But um, yep, that's right. if I'm going to kill a bird, I want it to gobble. But uh, 
<laughs> yeah, preferably maybe quack a little bit, but uh, you know those things are those things are real, you know, and that's why I want to raise awareness to it. And you mentioned the, the crazy bloody guy on the railroad track, but there's another story you told me because sometimes dangerous people aren't just in the deep woods. Sometimes there could be woods around the neighborhood. And you mentioned one time, I think your wife was walking somewhere and a van pulls up. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is right just outside my city mm-hmm. that I'm living in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was away on tour mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, she she likes to take these walks all the time. So she was walking. And, and uh, when she was coming back, it was it was winter time because she had a, a, her winter coat. You could tell it was a female. She had a winter coat on. Mm-hmm. His car passed her and uh, stopped on the bridge, on a bridge down here. Mm-hmm. And uh, she thought, well, this is kind of strange. I stopped right in the middle of the bridge. Sure. And then he opened up the door, got out, turned his radio full blast, mm. and then opened up the back door. No, sir. That's Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs type stuff. No, he stood, he, he stood there waiting for my wife to come. And Mm-mm. she's thinking, okay, this, there's something wrong here. This sure. is, you know. There's something wrong. Why is she doing this? She's got the radio up so nobody will hear her. And uh, the back back door is open for her to, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And, um, you know, just as she was debating on what's going to happen, what's she going to do, she stood there for a minute. In a place where nobody ever goes, all of a sudden three different cars showed up, three different directions. And they, it was it was like an intersection and, yeah. and the main road and the road that she was on. And they came at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's when she scooted around over the bridge and got to got in the city in case something else happened. There were homes around there. But wow. can you imagine that? Man. That was, man. you know, but for the grace of God, honestly, you know, really, this is, uh, you know, she, she got scared and told me all about it on the phone that night. And I said, boy, don't you ever walk like that again. That's terrible. Terrible. Uh, well, the reason it's important to talk about stuff like this because – you know, bad people like to use remote spots, even if it's just, just out of the city, because there's less oh, yeah. eyeballs, you know. And, um, yeah, that's right. And we got a lot of people listening to the show that don't necessarily hunt or fish and may like to walk or hike in areas, and especially women, we want them to be very careful for the, predator, mm-hmm. for the predators that are out there like that. I mean, that's like Science of the Lambs level stuff. The van open up, the loud noise, hey, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, we have a, a young lady that, uh, that was pretty close to me, my wife, she's 18 years old. And um, mm-hmm. she was she was in our Wild Wishes program that we do, and she mm-hmm. has a uh, a service dog. It's a pit bull, and mm-hmm. uh, she, these group of guys tried to take her, and uh, oh, and her pit was behind her, and then her pit came out and uh, ran them off. And uh, good. And I said the only thing wrong with this story is that the police didn't have to come with a vice grip and take the pit bulls mouth off the guy's testicles that's the only <laughs> thing wrong with the story you know and so i always yeah. tell especially women you know don't go in some remote area alone um mm-hmm. i know we like to talk about feminism and we're tough and all this kind of stuff but these monsters are willing to do whatever you got to be careful right. and um yeah. the other side of the the, the, the equation would be um, you know, go in groups, 
Those kind of things are safer. And if you feel a bad vibe, don't go. You know, I say that's that right. the Holy Spirit saying, don't go to that spot. That's a that that could be a bad situation. And um, that's right. the problem is, yeah. you know, you, you work in the wildlife media as well. You're very unpolitically correct. You just like to tell the mm-hmm. truth like the rest of us. You know, we're not trying to be bound by some stupid idea. But the corporate right. wildlife media, Lou, doesn't like to talk about this stuff. It's like, right. you want to sweep, right. sweep this under the carpet, you know, like. There are no unsafe hunters in the world. I'm like, well, BS. Um, You know, you don't have to be a genius to read the newspaper reports, you know, and that's why we want to make sure and let people know, you know, be very careful. And I have an example from this hunting season. I'm on a hunting lease, um, and I walk in about a mile and a quarter to my stand. Um, I don't have a four-wheeler, so I got to walk right in and call a buddy. Hopefully he's off work that day if I shoot a deer. (laughs) If not, I'm dragging him all the way out, right? Um, But there's a stand... Um, right, probably three quarters of a mile from me, the closest stand to me, right? And the guy never hunts it. Well, right. I was going to do some duck hunting late in the season with a young, a young boy that me and my wife work with, that, that, that serves in our ministry. His mom and dad do, and he wanted to go duck hunting. There's a bunch of wood ducks. We were going to mm-hmm. set up on that area, but that morning the hunter was in the stand. Uh-huh. Well, we were, we were right down the shooting lane from him, Mm-hmm. And although we were probably going to be a quarter mile away where the ducks flew in, we were right in that area where I didn't trust that that guy saw a deer. He wouldn't shoot that direction. Right. So we right. just walked way deep in the woods, found another hole, ended up getting wood ducks. You know, it what to me, those kind of mm-hmm. things, it's just not worth the question, what if, you know? That's right. That's it's not, right. It's, it's not worth the what if. I mean, my friend Josh is hunting in the National Forest in Utah in the middle of nowhereville right looks mm-hmm. on a tree he see, he says he's far off it's not like a hiking trail he's bow hunting in a unit that he'd never been in as deep as he's ever been and on a tree mm-hmm. carved in an old old carving i saw the picture it said ted bundy 1971 oh boy and oh boy that was the state he started killing in and that was a national forest he escaped into when he went, got out of prison Mm. So yeah, I tell people like that's you're probably never going to encounter somebody like that. But you never thought you encountered the bloody zombie guy on the tracks either. And, that's right. And you never know. So I'm just saying, be prepared. I have kind of some rules that I, I I just get out all the time. I say number one thing is I do is I have a game plan and I tell my wife and at least one friend where I'm going to be. Oh yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's important. They need to know. Yeah, they need I'm, to know. Even if even if it wasn't like a crazy situation like this, you could have fallen, broken, broken your hip or something, you know, and sure. can't get to sure. it. So, and give I give them a time frame if you know if it's if you haven't heard from me by seven thirty because where I hunt mainly is in cell phone range. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. call the cavalry. You know, uh, right. I have a transponder now that I use in the woods. Uh huh. That's and, good. And uh, that transponder, uh, if I hit one button on it, it sends alert, emergency alerts in a GPS location of where I'm at. Um, right. I right. do what I call strategic parking, Lou. So if mm-hmm. I'm on, a, a lot of times I end up, because I typically like to be in the middle of nowhere. The furthest I can get mm-hmm. from civilizations where I find the best game, right? So right, sure. I like to take, and I'm usually literally, I, somehow I was end up on a dead end somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I like to take it, I turn my vehicle around. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't, if, if I have to run from someone or get out, yeah. I don't have to do like on Friday the 13th where Jason slashes you with the ax through the windshield because you get stuck. <laughs> right. I like to already right. be pointed my direction to retreat. And then I also it, do strategic parking to level up if I can, and it's possible, park in a spot clear enough that I can see it from 50 to 100 yards away. 
Uh-huh. Right. So I can right. watch if anybody's there around my vehicle. Because I've, I've actually came up and there have been people around my vehicle before, you know. Oh, boy. And, I'll t- good. and what happened was uh, I was on this island and I was doing some wildlife mm-hmm. research and I had game cameras set. And I'm in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere. Uh, uh, it's close to a city, but it's far from a city, if that makes sense. There's it's close, but there's uh, the road I'm on. The only road on this island, this part, is eight miles, and there's no no habitation. Uh, I'm at the very yeah. end of it, and mm-hmm. I've been out there for a couple hours. So I start hearing like mariachi band music, like <laughs> yeah, oh boy, yeah. And I'm going, what the heck is this? It's weird, man. I mean, there's no house I can hear. So there's a hill, and I walk to the top of the hill. And since I had left, at least, and I'm not exaggerating, a hundred people had descended upon that spot. Mm. And they're shooting wow. 22s in the air. They're drinking uh-huh. and smoking dope. Oh, boy. And there's about yeah. five men. I'm glassing them around my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now, it's in the evening. And I would rather contend with all 100 if they were even zombies than I would the mosquitoes in that marsh I was in. You, you experienced our mosquitoes. Right. So right. I calmly and I, and, and I calmly walk in and they look at me like, who is this guy? And there's five of them, these young men, and they're in the wrong demographic. You don't, you know, late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, drinking, smoking pot, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I see guys with guns in their hands, you know. Yeah. And I walk up and say, hey, that's my vehicle. Would you mind if I get out of it? And they're like, hey, and, and they're not speaking English. They're not acting like they can speak English. And I said, look, <sighs> I don't want any trouble. I just like to get out of here. I'll leave you alone. And one guy kind of looked at him, looked at me and kind of nodded and sent the rest of them off out of there. But yeah. that situation could have been gone south real quick, you know. Oh yeah, because those guys oh, were yeah. armed illegally where they were at, uh, doing illegal stuff, you know. And right. here I was, and I had to I had to figure out the situation. But but that tells you how bad the mosquitoes were. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> forget it. I'm good. I'd rather die than deal with those things, you know. But um, <laughs> but you know, it's just using common sense and realizing you don't have to necessarily be like your wife was. You don't have to be in the right. in the back of um, you know Yellowstone somewhere to be in an right. area remote enough to have a dangerous person in, in your way. You know, could happen anywhere, anywhere at any time. Yep. yep. So just trying to raise awareness. We appreciate you sharing your stories. And by the way, if you love the bow hunt or want a bow hunt, you got to check out String Theory for Bow Hunters by my good friend Lou Marillo. It's really an awesome listen. It's it's incredible. It's got um. Great music intro and outros with it, and it's got great fun stories. You can find it at most audiobook uh, sources, and you can also be able to find out how to get it at fishgame.com. So, Lou, thank you for being on Higher Calling. No, Chester, my pleasure. Good talking to you, man. I, I appreciate it. Hey, folks, let me take a minute to tell you about my good friends at the Houston Safari Club Foundation. This is an organization that supports hunting and conservation. They've taken hundreds of kids hunting and fishing, given out over $2 million in scholarships, and they provided over $4 million in grants to protect wildlife and habitat at home and abroad. They host great monthly events and an annual convention where you can meet other hunters and learn about all types of hunting. Don't let the name mislead you. They're not just about safaris, but definitely about all kinds of hunting. 
education, conservation, protecting the future of hunting. That's the Houston Safari Club Foundation. Join today. Call 713-623-8844 or go to wehuntwegive.org to learn more. Higher Calling is brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, our official sponsor. You can check the online edition out at fishgame.com and also subscribe to their e-newsletter. And if you'd like to meet a personally subscribe you to that newsletter because I actually can do that. You can email me at chester at chestermore.com. Fishgame.com is not only wildlife and fisheries in Texas, but we cover things going on nationwide. You definitely subscribe to the newsletter. Three updates a week, killer, killer stuff put together by yours truly. Once again, Higher Calling is sponsored by Texas Fishing Game Magazine at fishgame.com. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at chester at chestermore.com. Follow him at thechestermore on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.